to kneel or not to kneel, to chop or not to chop, and how will the Chiefs perform on the field this year? All of those issues and more on this sports edition of Deep Background. Greetings, you're on Deep Background for September 10th, 2020. Dave Helling with the Stars Editorial Board with you, along with Derek Donovan, my friend and colleague on the editorial board for today's Deep Background podcast. And then Blair Kirkhoff, one of the great uh, reporters at the Star and certainly a great sports reporter, has been so kind to join us. Blair, it's great to have you aboard. We've obviously want to talk a little bit about the Chiefs who kick off their season and the NFL season tonight, but let's Let's start out at the 30,000-foot level, and then we'll descend a little bit. You, you've covered sports forever. I've covered politics forever. Have you ever seen a time in which politics and sports seem more mixed than they are now? No. There have been times with, uh, you know, with the mix of politics and sports. I mean, you, you and I, you know, as, as a couple of forever journalists, we can, <laughs> We can remember the the Olympic Games of 1980 and 1984 being, um, you know, affected by uh, the Cold War. Um, of course, the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City with the Black Power signs uh, on the on the podium. But I mean, the the, the mixture of politics, uh, the the pandemic um, since you know since March has made the the time since what mid March, when the when the uh, NCAA tournament wasn't played, and then the next several months, it's made it as unique a, a circumstance as I think we've ever experienced in the sports world. Oh hell, in world world in right, general, right, certainly, right. certainly in the sports world, nothing's been nothing's been the same. Nothing is as we remember it, and that continues tonight with. A, a an NFL football game that'll include about sixteen thousand fans in Arrowhead Stadium. Yeah, it's not just pro sports either, is it, Blair? Or or uh, Olympic sports or even collegiate sports? I mean, there are lawsuits involving high school football games and protests and pressure. And it, I think, it's an enormous signal that athletics and sports in our culture are at the center of a lot of our decisions uh, in a way that maybe we didn't anticipate six or, or appreciate maybe six months ago. Well, I think you're right about that. And in a way that probably didn't exist in, in previous generations, um, sports are, I mean, they're, 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 they're the most important thing in the world until they're not right. Or they're, um, and, and for some people, especially look, fans of the Kansas City Chiefs who, you know, waited 50 years for a Super Bowl championship, you know, this has been a, you know, it's a glorious time to, to be a Chiefs fan. And, um, and of course, they, now they've had a, an off season where, you know, they've had to deal with like everybody else with, um, with the pandemic, with uh, protests around the country. So it, it is just a, it's, it's a, you know, as I said, a really, really strange situation. Dave, I'll bring up something that, you know, I, I think about from time to time and how much sports is part of life in a way that we don't remember it. When when you and I were young and we go to ball games, I remember you telling me you went to Kansas City A's games when you were yep. a kid. And yep. I went to ball games and 
how many, you know, when you went to those games, did you ever see fans dress, you know, have the jersey of the team? No. Nobody wore that. You look at a photo of a, you know, of a full Arrowhead Stadium in the 1970s, and nobody's wearing a Chiefs jersey or, or but people, pe- people won't go to a game now without that. I mean, I think that's a, just to me symbolically how close people feel to the teams that they, you know, they, they root for and invest in in a major way financially with ticket prices being what they are. I just think it says something about the relationship that that people or fans, citizens have with teams that they that they root for. It's just yeah, it's yeah. absolutely evolved over the years. I would agree with that. I would also say for me, uh, Blair, it's even, you know, I remember growing up in the Kansas City area and I played baseball in the summers and we had what Johnson County had a three and two, what they called three and two. And we would play 20 games a year. We'd practice a couple times a week. And you'd quit at the 1st of August and get ready for school. And it was great, but that was the extent of it. You played 20 games in the summer because that's what kids did back then. Now, high sc- you know, you have parents of high school golfers suing to force the high schools to offer golf. And so that sort of attitude that sports is not an adjunct to what we do, but central to how we live our lives, I think extends far beyond just the Chiefs and the Royals or even the Jayhawks and the Tigers. And really, for a lot of people, not everyone, but for a lot of people has become a central organizing fact of the way they live, either through their kids or for themselves. And so it's almost inevitable in that sense that politics will become a part of athletics because of that centrality in how we live. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I, I I have the same memories. When I was a kid, you'd play your little league baseball season. Well, first of all, you'd ride your bike to the you know to Correct. the bike, ride your bike home, and and uh, and then you'd go on to the. For me, you'd go to the next sport because the seasons changed, and you'd you do the same thing all over in football season and basketball season. But but anymore, and and just specific to the golf, uh, the lawsuit uh, that that's been filed by the parents of I guess Shawnee Mission Schools and Blue, and, and Blue Valley, Shawnee Mission and Blue Valley. Um, their, you know, their, their, their thought was, look, you're denying our kids the opportunity for, a, for an athletic scholarship. I, I just, that, that kind of thought process is un, was unfathomable to me, you know, w- when I was younger, just, really, is that, that's what this is about. Um, but, but that's, that's what it's about. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and politics it, it, it becomes inevitable. And it's inevitable then that lawsuits, elections, politicians would have to take a stand. And you mentioned the Chiefs, uh, Blair, so we ought to go there. They're at the top of that pyramid, obviously. And tonight, all eyes will be on the pregame uh, activities at Arrowhead. We're taping on a Thursday in a way that will is unprecedented. We're all looking forward to seeing what's what's going to happen tonight with the pregame, uh, whatever form of, you know, demonstration or whatever form it takes. And we've written a couple of stories about it. Um, you know, for the, of course, this involves Black Lives Matter and and the Chiefs. Um, you know, were involved in this pretty early. At least Chiefs players were. Patrick Mahomes and Tyron Matthew were parts of the uh, video that the NFL produced um, a week or so after the, the George Floyd incident in Minneapolis. And, uh, and since then, you know, with every Zoom call that reporters have with 
with the Chiefs, with with Andy Reid or the players, the topic comes up. You know what? Uh, you know what are your feelings about it? What? And, and as we got closer to the season, um, we were asking them what what form of uh, of demonstration will we see when you know before the game during the national anthem? And we still don't know that yet. Um, we've we've speculated a little bit, but we don't know what form it's going to take. I, one thing that I've wondered about is, um, you know, it all comes down to: Are you going to kneel? Uh, or what, what do you got? What might you wear? Those types of things. I, I, I think I'd like to, you know, I'd like to see, you know, in, in my sort of my perfect world, everybody kneel and then everybody stand, you know, and that way you, um, you know, you you acknowledge the the issues by kneeling and then you acknowledge the the, the nation by standing and. I don't know if we'll see that, but maybe we see something like that. Tomorrow. Well, what will we see from the fans? I mean, well, how do how have fans reacted to this, Blair? And I'm fascinated by this question in part because it's very clear in the NFL and certainly in the NBA, maybe to a lesser extent in Major League Baseball and soccer, that African American talent is at the center of what those leagues are about. I mean that. You know, the, the National Football League, uh, Football League depends on black talent, including, of course, Patrick Mahomes, but other players on the team, and certainly the NBA. And yet the fans seem v- ambivalent about all of this. You know, um, four years ago, when this when the issue first um, uh, came, came, came to center because of the Colin Kaepernick uh, kneeling right. when he was the 49ers quarterback, I, I think... I think we saw then that the uh, the overwhelming feeling from fans was negative toward the players, anger toward the players. Even here in Kansas City, you had Marcus Peters, you know, the the cornerback, the young cornerback at the time, who who was choosing to kneel and uh, and it was not received well by the fans. And they literally chased him out of the stadium, didn't well, they? Well, I mean, eventually that's right. what happened. Yeah, yeah I was going to say that, um, you know, Clark Hunt, the, the owner didn't like it so much. So we had a meeting with, with Marcus Peters and asked him to, you know, if you're going to continue to do this, uh, we'd, we'd rather have you not on the be on the sideline during the national anthem. So he stood in the runway that, uh, you know, that feeds the, you know, the stadium. So he was, he was out of sight, out of mind during the anthem toward the, the latter half of the season. Um, but, but feelings have changed. Um, I, I've seen it. I think we've all seen, uh, especially the, the the reaction from sports executives and teams toward their teams uh, when it comes to this. The the, the incidents of this summer and the, uh, the the national mood has changed. I believe when it comes to uh, the the feeling toward uh, Black Lives Matter. So, I, I, and even Roger Goodell, uh, the NFL commissioner, has said that he. You know, he 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 was wrong uh, the way he reacted. Before don't we expect? Do we expect any booze tonight at all? Boy, I tell you what, I. I mean, that's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. And look, um, there we we have had booze in in sports. I know the Dallas soccer team, FC Dallas, um, when they came back from the MLS's back tournament in Orlando and played their first home game in Dallas. The players chose to kneel during the national anthem, and fans in Dallas booed them. Some did, but they were booed. I don't know, boy. I'll tell you what. I just I can't imagine a scenario in Arrowhead Stadium where the a boo would come out of a fan's mouth with Patrick Mahomes on the field. 
you just have to think about the enormous amount of power and responsibility that Patrick Mahomes has right now. You know, this 24 year old who obviously is used to having responsibility, used to having power, has a lot of eyes on him and he can lead the conversation and I think take a lot of Kansas City with him. The, the, the amount of goodwill that he has is pretty difficult to overestimate, isn't it? And, and he's shown a willingness, hasn't he, to bear that burden? He has. No, he is, um, you know, ever since he's put on a Chiefs uniform, I, he, what has he done wrong? You know, he, he's, uh, he, there, there are no missteps with, uh, so far with Patrick Mahomes. Now, having said that, I don't think he's ever been in a situation quite like he's going to be in tonight with the, um, you know, every player is going to have some form of, uh, you know, demonstration tonight, but the camera is going to look at Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, the Houston Texans quarterback. Those, those are the two biggest personalities in the, in the game tonight. In a game, Dave, as you said, this will be this game will be watched by tens of millions of people uh, around the world. It'll be, I think it'll be because it's the NFL, because of what we've gone through for the last few months. I think this is going to be the highest rated football game a regular season football game of, of the year. maybe well, not, not only that, but the excerpts on tomorrow morning's news shows yep. will not be the, the touchdown passes or the great tackles. It'll be what happens before the game. And so and let alone what gets clipped for the Internet. So the world will know how Patrick Mahomes has acted. It will. And, and his colleagues. Yeah. Well, Sports Center will lead with the touchdowns on ESPN, but I yeah. think the Today Show and uh, Good Morning America, I think you'll see a different lead for uh, for this game. Yeah. And don't you think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, you talk about how when you went to these games decades past that you didn't see the jerseys and that sort of thing. Isn't football and sports in general a community, the likes of which we just haven't seen in the past? It, you know, we talk about how disunified uh, Americans are, but don't you think that we come together around sports in a way that we just don't in other aspects of our lives these days? I think that's a great point, Derek, that it is, it is such a unifying force. You know, there will be people in the stands, whether it's 16,000 or 75,000 that are on total opposite ends of the political spectrum. And I, you know, there, there aren't many places anymore where you, you see that because there, there, those people will all be wearing you know, Patrick Mahomes jerseys or Tyree Kill jerseys or Tyron Matthew jerseys. And, and, and they, you know, they're, they're, it's a common cause when you, when you go to a game and pull for your team. And, um, and I, I don't know, I, I, I always think of, I don't sit in the stands when I go to games, but uh, I, I think it's always kind of a politics free zone when you, when you go to a game to, to pull for your team, you're not talking about the election. Maybe, maybe, you know, as we're two months away from the election, that'll change and to be different. But um, uh, that's typically not the case when you, when you yeah, go to a game. Let me ask you one more question on this subject, then we'll take a break. And I want to talk about some other Chiefs-related stuff on the other side. But, um, I, you know, just an observation, Blair, that seems to me to be the central concern issue uh, among all fans, which is they want the Chiefs to be a unifying force. They want the Royals, and yet – they can't keep the world from intruding inside the stadium. They can't, in part because of the centrality of what's going on out there to our world. I mean, you can't it, – it, it's just – the Chiefs, I'm sure uh, – Patrick Holmes has done everything right. But if you asked him, I'm sure he would say, I wish this cup would pass, you know, that I wouldn't have to deal with this. I'd rather just go out and throw the football around and try and win a game. It, it, he just has no choice. No, that's right. That's right. And 
and from a, I think from a sports perspective that you know I, the the owners of teams will put up with just about anything as long as the tickets are being sold you know as long <laughs> as the, you know as long as the income and the revenue is flowing but once you know once something interferes with that then uh, then then you'll see reaction I do think that that's part of the you know as the national mood swings on some of these issues I, I do think that's why. Um, the team's ownership or administrative positions have softened a little bit. All right. Great, great conversation. Let's take a break if we can. Another 10 minutes on the other side. We'll talk a little bit more about the Chiefs. You're on Deep Background. Hey there, this is Derek Donovan of the Kansas City Star Editorial Board, and we hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you like what you hear, help us support this podcast and the journalism that reporters at the Star do every day by subscribing. There's an easy way for you to do it. Head to kansascity.com slash background. You'll even get a special discount just for being a deep background listener. By subscribing at that URL, you will get three months of unlimited digital access to the Star for $1.99 total. That's right. You get access to KansasCity.com, the e-edition of the newspaper, our mobile apps, and more for three whole months, and it only costs you $1.99. That's a pretty sweet deal. Plus, you will be supporting journalism that makes a difference in Kansas City. So, go grab your computer or mobile device and head to KansasCity.com slash background. And hey, thanks for listening. Okay, Dave Helling with the Stars Editorial Board uh, back with you now, along with Derek Donovan, my good friend and member of the board uh, on Deep Background, and then our guest, uh, the incomparable Blair Kirkhoff. So great to have you with us. Well, Blair, we've been talking about the uh, the, the Chiefs sort of generally uh, uh, and the Black Live, uh, Lives Matter movement, but there's another issue at the stadium tonight, and that is a pandemic disease that has claimed close to 200,000 lives in the United States. The Chiefs game will look different tonight because the the stands will be three quarters, more than three quarters empty. Are the Chiefs ready for COVID? Um, they say they are, and uh, but but they haven't. With with the two practices that were open to the fans in August, um, one the first one got kind of sketchy reviews. The photographs were taken. Fans were sitting. Some fans sitting close together. Um, without masks on, and um, and so that um, and got got off to a little bit of a rocky start. The second practice, a week later, kind of they, they allowed more people in, but it was a rainy day, so it was hard to judge how um, you know how it went then. But in both cases, there were two I think two thousand the first practice, five thousand the second, and there'll be up to sixteen thousand people at Arrowhead tonight. And I think that'll get a lot of television coverage as well. We'll see a lot of, you know, because it's unique. The Chiefs are in the minority when it comes to letting fans in the stands for games, at least in the first month of the NFL season. It's a minority, right? I mean, no other teams in the AFC West are allowing Not fans in the West. for the first I, game? Yeah. I think it's seven, maybe seven or eight other teams that are doing it to in different percentages, to different percentages of the capacity. So, um, I, not many are going to have, if any, as many as sixteen thousand in in a in the stadium. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see what the we'll see what the COVID numbers are in a couple weeks. Yeah, I, I had a chance when the Chiefs first announced this to spend some time with Mark Donovan, the president, on the phone, and I asked him this question, and he really didn't answer. Uh, and so I'll ask you why? Why do they need fans? The leagues have shown 
that you can conduct these contests without fans. The, you know, the Kauffman Stadium has been empty. The NBA playoffs seem popular. Those stands are empty. Uh, as you mentioned, other football teams are not having people in the stands. Why, why is it so important for the Chiefs to have people come through the turnstiles? Well, I think a couple things. One is um, the, the ability to take advantage of the greatest season that they have in, in, in half a century, um, which means they, they get to raise ticket prices in a, in a, yes, in dramatically a, in a major way. Um, so uh, that's, you know, there's, there's a financial consideration, although Mark Donovan and others have said there, there absolutely is, there's no way to make up, uh, make good on, on what they're going to lose with all the empty seats at Arrowhead. Um, I, I think the, I, I don't, I, I can't speak for other teams or how they operate. I just know the, the relationship that people of Kansas city have with the chiefs, the fans um, is, is a little different than it is in, in a lot of other places, not every place, but, but a lot. And there. There's quite an affection here for uh, from Chiefs fans toward the team. I imagine if the Chiefs put a survey out to their fans, you know, do you feel comfortable coming to the stadium or not? That for let's just say season ticket holders, and and just for round numbers, there's fifty thousand season ticket holders. I imagine more than half of them would have said yes. They would if 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 given the opportunity to come to a game. Willing to risk, um, you know, the you know health to to attend a game. I can, you know, I can practice good health. Uh, you know, I, I know, right. yeah. I know how to distance myself and wear a mask, and you know, and I'll wash my hands, and I won't get right behind somebody in the restroom, that sort of thing. So, um, I, I think that's what what would have been the case. But don't we also think that if the Chiefs had finished eight and eight last year, yeah. that their decision might have been different? It might. Have I been. do get the sense that they want this first game to have fans they can raise the flag and shoot off fireworks and all those other things. No, no. I, I think if there were, you know, if this were the chiefs of, I don't know, 10 years ago or so, um, then yeah, I think we might've seen a different when, when they weren't filling Arrowhead stadium on a regular basis, there may, may be a different attitude as we're seeing with the NFL teams that didn't win the Super Bowl last year. You know, they're, they're, they're keeping their gates closed at least for the, for the first part of the season. And to talk about how avid some of those fans are, Blair, just for edification of people like me who don't go to these games, how much do you pay to go to see the Chiefs play live in this season? You're going to pay a a chunk this time. (laughs) Well, I I think I saw, I think the cheapest seat was like $450 that they're selling for, um, you know, for the game tonight. And um, that's that's quite a... uh, Quite a a price. I mean, it's going to be rainy. It's a little chilly. You can watch it on television. You know, a pair of tickets is a thousand bucks. That's right. That's right. But there are, there aren't many seasons um, in, in the in the life of an NFL team that you can just not just maybe justify is not the right word, but you can get away with you know charging this amount and uh, and, and and filling filling the stadium. I think it, listen if if there were. These ticket prices were set in May before the Chiefs knew what was going to happen capacity-wise. Remember back in the spring, um, the idea was, well, we'll get, you know, football was in a great position, right? It was basketball and baseball getting impacted by the COVID. By by the end of summer, we'll have this thing on the run and and maybe, you know, football won't be affected. So Chiefs went ahead and set their ticket prices in that climate 
and um, and then had to reduce capacity later. So people aren't paying more because of the reduced pat- capacity. They're they're paying more because the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, and in the um, you know in the supply and demand world, they were able to set the prices where they did. Yeah. One more COVID question uh, for me, anyway. Um, what about the play on the field? It seems like football players are more exposed, potentially exposed to the coronavirus than athletes in other sports. I mean, obviously in basketball, there's sweat and there, you know, people are in close quarters, but not in a way maybe that football is. And of course, the NBA has put everybody in a bubble so they can test every day and you're not exposed to anyone else. Are the players nervous about this at all, uh, Blair, or do they just want to get out there? Don't don't seem to be nervous about it. We we talk to the Chiefs every day about yeah. you know they do practice and you know they they they've been you know because there haven't been any preseason games. There's been a lot of contact and tackling in in the in the training camp that w- that you wouldn't normally see because they'd have the games to do that. And we have not no COVID cases from the Chiefs since training camp has started and. Um, you know, the colleges are having a much more difficult time, yeah. as, we, as we understand, for uh, than, than the pros are. But the, 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 the concept of a bubble on a college campus is very <laughs> malleable. <laughs> <laughs> These pro players obviously have great incentives to keep themselves healthy as well. They do. And and, and uh, that's right. They have thousands and thousands of reasons to uh, to keep themselves, tens of thousands, maybe millions of reasons yeah. to keep themselves very, very healthy. And f- so far they have. And, and that's one of the... So with everything else that's going on in the NFL, I think one of the under the radar stories about the league is just how few cases uh, of of COVID that uh, we've seen from NFL teams. It just has not been part of the storyline entering the this first weekend of the season. And let's hope that continues to be the case. Okay, let's shift gears. There's another unique issue confronting the Kansas City Chiefs, and that is, of course, the iconography, the name Chiefs the tomahawk chop or the arrowhead chop. And there's been some movement on that, Blair, and I know you on your Sports Beat prod, uh, podcast have talked about this. But A, bring us up to date, and B, it doesn't seem like we've reached a resolution to this stuff yet. Uh, am I misreading that, or is this the last we're going to hear about this about the Chiefs, or is something else going to fall? No, it's not the. La- I don't think it's the last we'll hear about this actually – for a while, unless you know, for some people, it's we we will continue to hear about this until the Chiefs change their nickname, their logo, the name of the stadium, right. you know, do away with all imagery and likeness when it comes to Native American um, names. So um, we are going to see some changes tonight, as, as we you know well reported. The uh, no more headdresses in the stadium or face paint that, uh, you know, in, in the depicting, uh, native Americans, uh, and, and we're also going to see, look, I think we're going to see a different, uh, a d- a different type of tomahawk chop or arrowhead chop, whatever they want to call it. Um, instead of, uh, in, instead of a, you're going to see that arm, that arm movement, but instead of with the palm open, you're going to see the fist closed and it's going to s- supposedly resemble a drum beat and not a, you know, and not a chop. And now some people would say, well, the drum beat is in, and the drum is, mm-hmm. is also offensive. It's also, you know, imagery. And in fact, some groups have said that. Although that's right. Some groups and, have not. Let's be clear. Right. And I, I think it's important to understand that even within, within Native American communities, there's not agreement on, on what is and what's not acceptable. And, um, and that, that goes for the name of the team and the stadium. But 
I will say this, that it's a story that I, I can remember talking to people at Haskell Indians Nation University um, 30 years ago ab about this. When the, I remember when the, when the Atlanta Braves were going great guns in baseball. Back right, in the and they era. had a chop. And, uh, and, and, and so it's even then, I mean, 30 years ago, people were talking about the Chiefs and, and is that an appropriate name for a team? But it's changed, hasn't it, Blair, because of the, of the uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter focus on issues of equality and, and equity. It has. And, and of course, that has, uh, you know, th that's inspired the, the Washington uh, uh, football team, right? Uh, they're no longer the Redskins. They're the Washington football team. And we know that the Cleveland Indians have had discussions about uh, about changing the name of its team over the summer. So um, it, it, the momentum for change has probably never been greater than it is right now. And it's actually happening without Native Americans protesting at stadiums like we used to see. It's all basically being done through the media, like everything else is. This in the COVID Right. Side. I mean, and we've written about it, of course, and you guys have written about it. And I get the sense, we'll move on from this in a minute, but I get the sense that particularly when it relates to the chop, uh, Blair, that the Chiefs kind of wish it would just go away without having to say it's going away. Right. Do it. That's the middle ground they're, they're trying to plow here. I think that's right. I, I really do. I'll tell you, my, my lifetime problem with the chop has been – well, the, the the imagery, of course, but it's just so unoriginal. You know, right. other teams were doing it, so the Chiefs started to do it. Come up with something better than that. It's just, you know, something that's not going to offend a group of people um, and something that's your own. It's it's just terribly unoriginal. And again, it, it, it one could argue that it has very little to do with the performance on the field. <laughs> and that's the way we're going to end this up, uh, by asking you about the performance on the field. I mean... I wrote the editorial today and I said, you know, someday we'll be more worried about how the Chiefs do in a game than what happens before the game. That's that's not tonight, but maybe later in the year. So, you know, how do you guys see it? Are the Chiefs going to repeat? Are they going to be uh, – will they struggle? What 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 do fans have to look forward to? Well, look, they, they did such a great job in the offseason of extending, you know, their stars and, and uh, it's extending contracts in such a way to leave enough money for other players like uh, like Chris Jones. Once they, you know, they gave Patrick Mahomes the historically, you know, big contract. But it was right. structured. Travis Kelsey, I think they resigned too, didn't That's they? Right. Kelsey, yeah. Sammy Watkins, all the stars are back from, from the Super Bowl championship team. It's just – so rare that that happens that everybody comes back. Nobody was looking to leave Kansas City. So they are the favorite. They're the, they're the odds on favorite to repeat as Super Bowl champion. But that hasn't happened since 2004. It doesn't happen often in the NFL that a team repeats as Super Bowl champion. So tonight, uh, Andy Reid teams tend to start fast, get off to great starts. And I expect that will happen tonight as well. Uh, Blair Kirkhoff, you're so uh, good to provide this time to us. And we appreciate you visiting on these issues. It's, uh, it, uh, it's one of the more fascinating stories uh, I've had a chance to cover over the last couple of months. And, you know, when the political guys get to write about sports, that's kind of a fun thing for us. I guess I kind of think that the sports guys like to write about politics every once in a while. You're <laughs> like this, right? Yeah, no question about it. Blair Kirkhoff with the star. Thank you so much for being with us. And Derek, as always, thanks for running the board and being part of this important and interesting conversation about our local sports franchises. Uh, I'm Dave Helling uh, with the Star's editorial board. And thanks to you for listening. You've been on Deep Background.